dives in for the touchdown. Did he get it? Yes, sure he did. Touchdown, Detroit Lions. You're listening to The One Pridecast. Tori Petri here with another episode of the One Pridecast. We are in training camp right now, so all of our podcasts are training camp focused this week. The Patriots are in town, so of course we're talking about it on the podcast. And I brought on a special person to chat about it with me. Some of you guys may know the name Tom Lydon. Tom, you've spent plenty of time here in Detroit. Now you are in Boston. How's it going? First of all, thanks for having me. Second of all, it's great to be back. And third of all, it's going great. I've been very fortunate <laughs> since I left. I left in 2015. So this is my fifth season specifically covering the Patriots, but it's been a great run of just not only covering great football, but the Red Sox win the series, the Bruins go to the Stanley Cup final. It's been a little bit ridiculous, but it's been kind of fun. Yeah, no shortage of things for you to talk about out there. It's wild. You know, it started the first year I covered the team was when they lost to the Broncos in the AFC Championship game. And what truly happened is I'm like, oh, no, don't tell me this is over. Don't tell me I got here and this whole run is finished and I didn't get to see any of it. And people are going to say, oh, remember when we used to win? But then they uh, got to Super Bowl uh, 51, and they were losing 28-3. I'm like, oh, no. So when they finally won, it was a, kind of a relief. I'm like, okay, good. I didn't miss it. <laughs> well, you know from your time here in Detroit that Lions fans would love to have that kind of success here. You and I worked together uh, when you were at Channel 7, and the Lions worked a lot with Channel 7. Then that was my first year here in Detroit, 2014. We went to London together, did a show in Trafalgar Square. So we were walking down memory lane here. Have you gotten to you know revisit some Detroit memories since being back on this trip? Oh, for sure. Not only professionally, but also personally. Uh, last night I was up with some of my friends up in Bloomfield, which was great to reconnect. Good. And it's nice professionally to reconnect with people here and also to see the crossover between the two teams you know I can't say that I know Bob Quinn all that well and you know obviously I crossed Matt Patricia's path when he was in New England but he never really opened himself up all that much but you know Danny Amendola we know well Trey Flowers we know well so uh, both good guys I don't know how much you've had a chance to talk with Danny sure. and I don't know how much uh, Trey's been available but as he's more available and as he plays I think you'll get a big kick out of him because he really emerged into one of these stars out of nowhere uh, you know, he was kind of a guy who made a couple plays here and there when he was younger, and then it became clear he was unfortunately on that path where they couldn't keep him. And it's like, that's probably one of the guys they're going to lose because people are going to, somebody's going to pay him, and that's what happened in the offseason. So he's a big loss, and he's one of the big question marks. He leads to one of the big question marks for this team, which is who's going to take over the role he played at defensive end. Sure. Well, no surprise that he ended up here in Detroit back with Matt Patricia. We are actually, as we're recording this, standing out here on the field at practice. So if you guys are hearing whistles and hubbub in the background, that's what's going on. But Tom, what do you think of these joint practices? I know a lot of people in Detroit get excited. It's the biggest crowd we've seen out here at training camp. What do you guys think of them? Well, I love the fact that we see more of them around the league. And I think it's cool that they're doing three of them this week. I am surprised that it hasn't been as intense as I thought it would be. Not uh, chippy at all. No, there hasn't been a lot of pushing and shoving after the whistles. I know we're not even halfway through it yet. Maybe that'll culminate tomorrow on the third day. But that also speaks to the respect, I think, that the players have for the coaches and the coaches have for each other, that they don't want to have any stupid injuries. They don't want to have anything that, that could be avoided. So they've been very disciplined. I love seeing it because you get a chance to see 
the other team, and I know I'm not alone because I think a big portion of this for both teams is that they get a free look at 90 other guys because yeah. they're watching the tape and they get a chance to scout. I wouldn't be surprised if you see somebody who's wearing a white jersey here today for the Patriots someday wearing a blue jersey for the Lions. <laughs> yeah, that would not be surprising at all. Speaking of jerseys, though, I think we've got a good mix of jerseys in the crowd as well. There's a fair share of, uh, of Patriots fans out here, but these are really cool. I mean, for fans to be able to come out here, like you said, get a free look at another team, not just their own team and maybe they are Patriots fans who live in the area and get to see their team here playing the Lions so I, I just think that these uh, joint practices have a lot of benefits on on the football side of things but for fans too and you know the starters aren't going to play much we know that they're not right. going to play in the first preseason game and even the second preseason game all that much so when you can control the situation and know that your quarterback's not going to get hit and you can create, whether it be a third down situation or a red zone situation or a two-minute drill situation, that stuff doesn't necessarily present itself in a preseason game. So it allows them to really create these scenarios where they're going up against another team. I think it's great. I, mean, I understand why coaches do it. I think it's fun for the fans. And I think that even some of the Lions probably get a kick out of being challenged by you know, the world champs. And I thought Patricia yesterday, the first day, was really cognizant of not pumping the tires of the <laughs> Patriots. You of know, course. he was not going to say like, "Listen, we, they're the best in the league, and we need to be like them." I mean, he's definitely trying to establish his own culture, and sure. I, I took note of the fact that he wasn't going to say how great Tom Brady was. He wasn't going to say how great the Patriots are. He's trying to build his own thing here. He definitely is, and he he wants to make that clear. He was asked about it yesterday, which was. Monday at the time that we are recording this. It's, it's Tuesday today. You guys will be hearing this a little bit later. But he talked about that. He said, we are building Lions culture here. And he doesn't want to, uh, you know, blur those two lines, even though there is a lot of carryover from his time in New England uh, to over here in Detroit. Bill Belichick mentioned yesterday uh, that it was particularly easy to do a joint practice with Patricia because of the similarities in, in how they operate and their familiarity with each other. Even Danny Amendola said on Monday that the practices were structured similar, similarly. And he would know he's played yeah. for both coaches. But for you watching practice, how similar does this look to what we would see in New England? Very similar from the get-go and how they run their walk through at the beginning to the stretching to the individual drills and now we're seeing the two teams go against each other right now and again it, it still it heated up a little bit little offensive line on defensive line here a short drills. time ago but you really want to see the intent i'd like to see as a fan the intensity sort of picked up a little bit and when you have stafford going up against the patriots number one defense maybe you're going to see some of that i would imagine if you're a defensive back for the lions you'd be pumped up to be trying to defend sure. the patriots offense so you know, it's kind of neat to look across the practice field and see TB12 on the other side and know that he's the best to ever do it. And what can you do? It's your chance to put something on tape, per se. Hey, how are you guys? Good. Doing a little podcast here. We are podcasting. Stacey Dale's walking by from the NFL Network. <laughs> it's great. This is good podcast stuff. It's fantastic. That's one of the, I love Stacy's career story. I know I don't know whether you're recording this still, but I think it's so cool that she went from one of like a, a really good basketball player and has turned it into like a very cool media career where she's not just limited to basketball, she does football. So I know, somebody right? to emulate. I love it. I love Stacy. She comes around here often. She covers a lot of the NFC North for NFL Network, so it's always good to say hi to her when she's around. And of course she's around during these joint practices. There's so much to watch. You were mentioning the defense, uh, uh, the Lions defense going up against Tom Brady. Now yesterday they had a little bit of struggles with that. They're not all healthy on defense. They're missing a lot of their defensive starters. What, what's been your biggest observation from practice out here this week? Well, it, it, it's hard because who do you watch? 
I know. I'm focused on kind of watching the Patriots and how they're evolving and the, the gaps they're trying to fill. So I'll be honest in saying that I haven't really jumped into how the Lions have been performing, which is weird because I did it for 11 years. But I haven't been watching those guys. I also don't know many of them. So there's only five left from, I think, maybe Quadre Diggs might be six. But it's Stafford, the specialist, Muleback, Prater, Martin, and Slay. That's Not it. Not a lot of carryover. That's crazy. But that's football, too. I think you could. it's very similar with the Patriots. I didn't answer your question. What stood out? What has stood out is that it's been crisp. The players have been responsive to moving uh, from the position. Oh, there's an interception right there. Brady. Who picked that one off? Might have been Jalen Reeves-Maben. I see a four at the end of the number. Is it 44? 44 would be Jalen Reeves-Maben. Yeah, I think that's who it was. Interception by Jalen Reeves-Maben off of a Tom Brady pass. So they're doing a little, looks like a little red zone drill here to get the offense and defense in that situation. That's what we were talking about before, where they can create these scenarios. I mean, look who's out there at receiver for the Patriots right now. It's guys you don't know. And that's been the biggest issue. It's like, who's going to be the go-to guy with Gronkowski gone? Edelman hasn't taken the field yet here for training camp, and obviously he's going to be the number one receiver. But they got to figure it out. You know, they have the uncertainty with Josh Gordon, which goes beyond the team. They don't know if and when he'll even come back this year at all. So there's a ton of opportunity. So for me, what am I watching? I'm watching those guys who are looking to seize that opportunity. you got wide receivers looking to win a job. Who's going to play tight end? you got the left tackle position for the Patriots, which is up in the air. And then how are they going to replace Trey Flowers? Those are really the big stories coming in. So when we go to Thursday's game and we're watching the Lions face off against the Patriots, obviously we usually only see the starters for about a series in those preseason games. But what do you think Lions fans should be watching uh, when it comes to their players going up against the Patriots? Who are some really good players that would challenge uh, the Lions players when it comes to who's fighting for spots and, and who, can, who can really provide them uh, with that difficult competition that will show them where they're at. Yeah, if you're looking for defensive linemen, I think you're going up against a Patriots offensive line, which has a great combination of experience with a, with a hole or two. Because, you know, you've got David Andrews, who's the center, and then Shaq Mason and Joe Tooney, who are the two guards, and they know each other really well. Marcus Cannon has developed into one of the best tackles in the league. He's been an all-pro at points. So those are four guys who are absolutely solid. The question mark becomes, who's going to be your left tackle? So if you've got a good right defensive end who's going to be playing Thursday night, that's something that you should be watching. And then, obviously, how do they? How are they going to defend the tight end? Or is Tom Brady even going to look at his tight end? You would think that he's going to try to get some of these tight ends involved because he, the coaching staff wants to learn more about them. But there's been times when Gronk was out in the past where it was clear he just ignored the tight end. And that's where the wide receivers and the mm-hmm. running backs got more involved. But if you're looking for a specific position group, I'd look for anybody who'd be up against the offensive line because that offensive line is is very talented. They've been together for a while. They've had a lot of success. They know each other. They communicate well. So those first couple series when those guys are out there, if you're looking at your D-line, that's probably a good battle to watch. Okay, so if we see a Lions defensive lineman make a good play against the Patriots offensive line, that probably says something about them being a good player. Exactly. All right. Good to know. Good to know. Something that stuck out to me from Monday's practice was the Patriots running the Lions Hill over here in the corner of of the field here at Allen Park. That's new this offseason. The Lions built this hill, not unlike one that the Patriots have uh, back home. Lions ran uh, straight line drills on the field, but the Patriots took over the hill. Seems like a little taste of home for them. It is. It's a little different because it's funny. You know, he was asked about a Belichick during Tuesday's news conference. And at first he was like, eh, you know, it's a hill. And then he paused a beat, and then he actually had a criticism of it. 
because he said there's not a lot of runoff room at the end of that thing. And the difference in New England is that they actually have a lower field and an upper field. So the hill that they use is the hill that takes them from the lower field to the upper field. And obviously the runoff is uh. the entire upper field. And if you do look down there, you can see what he's saying. There's probably only, what, 15, 20, 30 feet. Right, you gotta pull top. up. Once you get to the top, it's, you it's gotta like pull a plateau. up. Otherwise, you're gonna just start going down the other side of the hill. But that's a big part of it. And those guys, when you're talking to them in January and they make these fourth quarter comebacks, they look back at training camp and the fact that when they were gassed, they're running the hills and it just helps their conditioning. You know, even when they beat the Falcons, right? They had the Falcons defense on the field throughout the whole second half of the Super Bowl last year against the Chiefs. How much was the Chiefs defense on the field in the fourth quarter against Brady? And that's when they know they have an advantage. They know that they're in better shape and that's where they can really seize control of the game at the at the very end of it. Well, the Lions are trying to implement that here themselves. They've been running uh, those hill runs after practice and hopefully for them it has the same effect. I know, I know that's the goal here uh, as Matt Patricia has Probably spent plenty of time observing that uh, that process over there in New England, and uh, you know, speaking of Matt Patricia, he's over here on his ATV, and I am very curious to see what happens when the game comes around on Thursday, because I don't think he'll be riding that ATV on the field. He really seems to want to be on the field, though. Yeah, I mean, he's not conceding. The he fact likes he's being be in the middle the of everything. How's he going to do that though with that cast? I mean, that thing is huge. I can't imagine how he can avoid a hit if anything comes his way. If he's on the field, I would say I'm going out. Not a wise move. He should remove himself from the situation at this point. He should be in the booth, at least for the next couple of weeks until that thing is healed. But he wants to be on the field. He would not concede that. Right. Well, he started out at practice out here on a flatbed golf cart, like the kind of cart that they'd bring out for injured injuries, injured guys uh, to cart back into the locker room. And he didn't like it. He didn't have enough mobility. And now he got the ATV, and he can drive that one right up into the huddle because he just <laughs> doesn't want to be left out. He wants to be right there in the middle of everything. So. We'll, we will see what ends up happening on Thursday. I am very interested in that storyline. What storylines are you looking for on Thursday? The young guys, and they're going to play a lot. You know, you're going to see uh, some of the young receivers, Jacoby Myers, who out here in practice is wearing number 69. I don't know what number he'll wear on Thursday. That's one of the. That's so interesting uh, to me. Small, Explain that yeah. for people. It's only a couple years old, but what they do is they give the rookies numbers basically between 50 and 70. So no matter what position you play, like Nikhil Harry, who's the number one pick, he's wearing number 50 out here. Uh, Damian <laughs> Harris, receiver. yeah, wide receiver. Damian Harris from Alabama, I think, is wearing number 63. Uh, Jared Stidham, who's the quarterback they drafted out of Auburn, is wearing 58. And then this Jacoby <laughs> Myers. Me up. Yeah, it's funny to see him running around. <laughs> Jacoby Myers is wearing number 69. So it's my understanding that they will get assigned real numbers before Thursday's game. But in speaking to the guys who are doing the play-by-play back to New England I'm like when are you guys going to know what numbers they wear they're like yeah we don't know yet so that I don't know when that happens oh my them. gosh you I can't imagine that part yeah I mean they're going to have 15 guys who all of a sudden are going to show up on Thursday wearing numbers <laughs> that they're not used to having watched training camp right. for the last couple of weeks right. but you know Stidham's taking a rep right now in the red zone and one thing that stood out to me about him is that he takes forever to throw the ball and let's see if he does it here I mean, that was pretty stereotypical, but there were many r plays that he ran earlier in camp that you're like, throw the ball, throw the ball, right. throw the ball. And then it became clear that apparently the coaching staff was trying to tell him to go through his entire progression to actually ah. see each and every read before he threw the ball. So they were intentionally having him hold on to it longer. 
it didn't reflect well on him because, you know, he has amazing veterans in front of him. Not only Brady, sure. who's been doing it for 20 years, but he's got Brian Hoyer, who's in his 11th year sure. or 12th year. So those guys get rid of the ball quick. They move the offense quickly, and Stidham has to get to that point so it stands out when he hangs onto the ball for so long because in your mind you're like, he's going to get right, killed. Right. He's going to get sacked. But that apparently was – there was a method to the madness, and they wanted him to go through his progressions. Become a Lions season ticket member today and gain access to the most favorable seating locations at Ford Field. Exclusive member events, discounts on Lions merchandise, and personalized account service. Secure your seat today. Call 313-262-2222 or visit DetroitLions.com for more information. Now, this was national news this week. Obviously, you've covered it plenty, but Brady's extension. Since we have you on the podcast here, I'll ask you about that. What do you think about it? Very interesting. I think they, there's a lot of trust between the Kraft family and Tom Brady, but they've never been in a situation like this. He just turned 42. I find it interesting that they signed this contract, which frees up room. They're going to need room. I mean, conceivably, outlandish as it may sound, if Gronkowski decided that he wanted to come back in November, they need that room and the cap to be able to re activate his contract so they needed some wiggle room in terms of cap space for 2019 which they got with Tom's renegotiation they restructured it so that he got a raise which got him up to 23 million dollars this year I think that was an 8 million dollar raise compared to what he was going to make but the cap hit is very very small and then the money which they pushed to the future 30 for 2020 and then 32 for 2021 apparently is 100% 100% voidable. In fact, if they don't agree to either opt in or renegotiate that contract at the before the end of the 2019 fiscal year, then it voids, and he remarkably could be a free agent. And so he can't you, be franchised. Tax. And he can't be franchised, which is very that speaks to his relationship with the craft. So, like, listen, we're not going to screw you on this. We're going to make sure that we take care of you in the same light. So, could you imagine the frenzy if Tom Brady is a free agent at Wild. age 42, soon to be 43? Uh, I Depends what kind time. of year he has. I have a hard time seeing that happen. Well, where, where could he go? You know, it makes you think that where would he possibly want to finish his career? And always the team out there that stood out was San Fran. Would he want to go home and finish his career as a 49er, as weird as that may be? But then they signed Garoppolo to that big deal. But then Jimmy hasn't really proven he could stay on the field. So they could opt out of that contract, the 49ers, if Jimmy doesn't have a good year in 2019. It's wild to think that all of that could conceivably happen. Just the concept of him finishing his career anywhere other than New England is so foreign and so stunning and shocking that you never think it could happen. But you look at all, well, not all, but most of the great players who've come through here, most of them do finish elsewhere. Ty Law finished elsewhere. Richard Seymour finished sure. elsewhere. Lawyer, it started with Laurie Malloy. He finished elsewhere. The Patriots rarely ever keep a player yeah. too long. And he said that, too, that he knows that typically his dad, I think, was quoted best as saying it's not going to end well because it rarely does yeah. with a player towards the end of his career. Uh, I just hope that it doesn't end with an injury because what happens, we saw sure. with Favre when he got up there in age, you know, father time wins and then something happens and your body just doesn't recover as quickly as it has in the past. But the way he's protected as a quarterback by the league, the rules, not you can't hit the quarterback as much now as you used to be able to hit the quarterback, the respect that he garners around the league. I don't think that there's anybody who enters the game against the Patriots and says, you know what, I'm going to take out Tom Brady. That mindset probably existed back in the 80s and 90s and even in the early 2000s so there's some respect there as well uh just the whole concept is mind-blowing that he might finish somewhere else i don't see it happening 20 years maybe he wins one more maybe he sails off maybe he sails off into the sunset that would be interesting but you always want to go out on your own terms on your own terms could you imagine leaving 62 million dollars on the table i mean i think he does well for himself (laughs) and so does his wife so 
hey, they, they have that option if they so please. How about the Michigan-Michigan State connection between Tom Brady and Brian Hoyer and the I friendship know, right? that they've built over the years? They always have a bet every year when the two teams play, and whoever loses has to wear either Michigan State or Michigan <laughs> garb like for their media availability that next week. Like so that's it. gone back and forth. I like it. Brian's good. It's funny because I remember Brian. I wasn't here when Tom was in Michigan, but I was here when Brian was at Michigan State. And to see how his career has evolved, I mean, that's a guy – I mean, he's now been here 11 or 12 years, and it's crazy to think the amount of money he's made and how valuable he's become as a backup guy. A good dude in the locker room. He and Tom get along real well. He's a good leader. He actually played a really significant role with the secondary, the Patriots secondary last year throughout the playoffs. He would go into their room and help break down the offenses that they were about to defend, mm. whether it be the Chiefs or whether it be the Rams going into the Super Bowl. He was super helpful, and a lot of the guys in the secondary pointed out how helpful it was to have a quarterback come in and basically right. describe how a quarterback would attack their defense and what he was thinking in the process. Well, there's a little taste of Michigan State and Michigan for all the fans listening. A lot of Lions fans either side with one or the yep. other. You got Chase Winovich, too, from Michigan. He's so much bigger than I ever thought he was. I had never <laughs> laid eyes on him until he got to New England. I'm like, damn this dude's a mountain I had no idea how big he was that did not translate on television as I watched him play in college for Michigan but when I saw him in person I'm like this dude is not only big now but he's gonna get bigger and you assume he's gonna get better because that's what happens in this system they take guys right. like that who have who are physical specimens and they just make them better yeah I chatted with him quite a bit during the pre-draft process uh, I usually go over to Michigan's pro day I talked to him at the combine all that kind of fun stuff uh, you know asked him about what it might be like to play for Matt Patricia and in and, and that multiple defense. Well, hey, he's playing in a defense not too not too different from the one uh, that Matt Patricia coaches. So uh, he definitely should be someone to watch. And I loved the little tweet that uh, Edelman had, giving him a hard time for the but long the hair. hair. That's funny. <laughs> you know, I know we're deep into this podcast, but maybe we can break some news. I just want to make it official. Have you officially submitted your retirement papers yourself? Is your football career over? Or might there be a chance uh, that we might see you back on the field at some point? I have not submitted papers, but I think that my own personal football career is probably probably in the books for me. I did it my first two years here in Michigan. I played in 2000. 15 and 2016, I played cornerback, uh, but those girls actually went to the national championship this year. They did? How'd they do? They, they lost the national oh. championship, but they went, which is an amazing feat. They went all the way to Denver to play, so I was super impressed with them. They are so much of a better overall team than we were when I played. So I think the fact that you did that just speaks so much to your dedication to understanding what's going on and your dedication to your job, and not everybody would do that, obviously. So anybody who, who follows you, I think, has to respect the fact that you suited up. Probably took a few bumps and bruises along the way, but yeah, it was worth few, it. Yeah, a few, a <laughs> few. Well, thank you, What was you, your Tom. worst injury? Oh, man. Um, I, uh, I had tendonitis in my shoulder when I was playing, and then just so many bruises, so many. You understand what it's like now when these guys say it's like you're in a car wreck 20 times over it, every it's game. It's crazy because I think that that was one of the reasons why I wanted to play was because I wanted to have a feel for what it's – like on on a smaller scale obviously you know it's very minute what I went through compared to what these guys go through but you know when they talk about how hard the recovery is the day after a game even when I played it was just like wow everything hurts it just you know it might not be one particular thing it's just like all over ache now these guys have state-of-the-art recovery and all that kind of thing and they have trainers who take really good care of them but 
just being able to take a hit and give a hit, I thought was good perspective for me to have. I would imagine it's frustrating too, because as I'm talking about this, I'm looking out on the field and it looks like we might have at least the Patriots first team defenses out there. I can't see over them because many of them are big on, oh, sure. that's Matthew. So yeah, it looks like Stafford, we got the ones yeah. on the ones right Lions now. So this is, this is what we're here for. Yes. This, this is what we're here for. And this is what fans are here for as well. It's fun to see the ones face off against the ones. And, you know, we saw a little bit of that yesterday. We talked about how Tom Brady uh, was kind of getting the better of the defense. The Lions run there didn't go too far. But Stafford had a really good pass to Kenny Galladay on Monday in practice in seven-on-seven seven drills. Kenny Galladay laid out for that one. It's a nice, nice Kenny catch there. From what I hear, C.J. Anderson has not really made a huge splash yet. Is that right? Not quite yet. No, I think Carryon Johnson is still kind of going to be their go-to guy. We'll see what happens with C.J. Anderson. But something that stands out to me about watching C.J. He just looks. He's built like a bowling ball. Yeah. He's just a massive dude so if they can get him going in short yardage situations I think that would be really beneficial to them well there's Danny Stafford Amendola. to Danny right yeah. that's going to be a little security blanket for him this year I think we're going to see lots of that going back to CJ quickly you know he's got such a history against the Patriots because when he was with the Broncos he lit him up there was a famous play he finished a game on Sunday night in the snow he had an overtime run for a touchdown and then he ended up on the Rams last year and the Rams go to the Super Bowl and I was speaking with him on media day and I asked him, you know, innocently, if the touchdown against the Patriots stands out as one of his greatest moments. And, man, the response I got back was not what I expected. He goes, absolutely not. I'm like, oh, okay, what? <laughs> and he said, my mother dedicated so much of her life to raising me to be a good man and the sacrifices that she made and everything she did to turn me into what I did that's what's most important to me. And I was like, damn. He took that one deep. Yeah, he went, he went deep. real deep. And it was on media day where everything was super light, but it made me understand a little bit about how he is. So I know he and Tom actually get along. There was a part, there was a time where he was a possible addition to the Patriots. He was out there as a, as a guy they might go get, and it seemed that it might happen, and it didn't. And then he, you know, he got a little big. He kind of goes up and down with his weight. So I think once he gets in shape, he'll be a guy who can help out. Well, Tom, let us know what you're going to be up to this week here in Detroit and where people can find your coverage of joint practices. Oh, thank you for that. Um, you can always please follow on Twitter. It's Tom Leiden, which is T-O-M-L-E-Y-D-E-N. And we're actually not staying for the game itself, which sounds weird. What a but bummer. Yeah, we're getting a lot of stuff before the game. We're going to leave Thursday morning, and then obviously we'll be back in the studio for that. But you can get most of the stuff through my Twitter account, Facebook too, Tom Leiden, Boston 25 and uh, you know, on our website, and then if you, you can always stream, if you really want a Tom Lydon fix, you can always <laughs> stream our newscast at boston25news.com. Hey, but but I know where the passion is, and most of the time that's not with New England sports with these people in Michigan. Listen, there might be some people who are just really missing Tom Lydon on their Detroit television, well, and they might go to, to Boston to find it. <laughs> Thank you so much for spending some time with us here on the podcast. It's been fun watching practice and kind of narrating a little bit with you. We appreciate your time and enjoy the rest of your return to Detroit. Thank you very much. It really means a lot that you ask, so I appreciate it.